team for helping us calm our, our minds and, and recalibrate our hearts to focus on, on Christ. At this time, uh, the children are welcome to go to our children's program for kids through fifth grade. As we continue our, our series in Advent. Have you heard of the Holmes and Ray stress scale? Is anybody familiar with that? You know, not very many. Everyone's totally relaxed here this morning. It's good. Well, years ago, I think this was the late 60s, doctors Ray and Holmes, they, they studied the connection between, between stressful life events and, uh, and then medical conditions, you know, and illness. They, uh, they actually uh, surveyed um, thousands of medical records and compared those with this simple survey of 43 questions that, um, that identified stressful life events. And so some of those events on the list were things you'd expect, like um, you know, the death of a spouse or, or imprisonment or fired at work. And you're supposed to indicate if this event has occurred in the past year or is expected to occur in the near future. And so the more of these indicators you have, the more likely you are to get sick. They, it's this correlation they found. It's really kind of fascinating. But what's fascinating to me is on this list with things like being incarcerated and being fired from your job is preparing for Christmas. <laughs> that made the list of 43 things, stressful life events. Have you in the past year experienced Christmas or are you going to experience that in the near future? So most of us in the room could check two boxes for Christmas. So people are literally worrying themselves sick over Christmas. Uh, We're stressed about finding the right gifts. We're stressed about paying for those gifts. We're stressed about uh, making enough goodies for all those events we've been invited to. And we're stressed about uh, eating too many goodies. Stressed about having to turn down one invite because we got invited to two different things. Or we're stressed about not getting the invite. Stressed about making arrangements for family to visit. And then stressed about how to get them to leave. (laughs) Whatever it might be, Christmas has all kinds of opportunities to get us kind of uh, ramped up. A lot of you know, uh, Heather was a dispatcher for San Diego Police for many years. And dispatchers know that... Domestic violence calls skyrocket during the holidays. People get together with families, and all of a sudden, you know, craziness uh, ensues. So we're frazzled, we're worn out, we go, we flop on the couch, turn on the news, and then we're stressed about what's happening in the world, and, uh, and conflicts, and, and crime, and, and war, and disasters, and we're just, we can be driven actually sick from all the worry. And into this scene, Jesus says to his followers, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Ah, (laughs) an offer of peace from God. And the truth is that peace, true peace, is made possible because of Christmas. It's one of the gifts 
of God made possible because of the coming of Christ. And so our big idea today, if you're following along in the notes, is this. Because Jesus came, you can experience peace. The Christmas story, as we read it in, um, in especially Luke's account, um, it's just marked with these announcements of peace, of shalom, of that, that sense of, of wellness and goodness that, uh, that can be restored. So here's kind of the, the setting. First century Judea, a lot different than our culture uh, in many ways, but really not so different in the root concerns that we have. There was still conflict. There was poverty. There was inequity. There was divorce. There was, um, there was oppression. There was political conflict, rumors of war, greed, all these things. And so just like us, they needed a message of peace. And this came with Jesus. So this morning, we're going to look at two of the, uh, you might call them hymns that are found in the narrative of, uh, of Luke's gospel, um, poetic expressions of praise toward God that are also announcements or proclamations of peace. We'll focus on two of those in particular, and in the meantime, we will see uh, three implications of the gift of peace, what it, what it means for us. So we'll start in Luke Um, We'll be in Luke 1 and 2, but we'll start in chapter 1, uh, verse 67. If you're following along in one of those Bibles in the pews, it's on page 856. Here's kind of what's happening uh, in the story. Luke starts the story about Jesus with the story of John the Baptist, who would be uh, his forerunner or announcer, his herald. And an angel, after so many years of kind of silence from God, so to speak, Uh, The silence is broken when an angel announces to Zechariah that he and Elizabeth will have uh, a child in their old age. This child would be John, the forerunner of Christ. Well, he disbelieved the news, and uh, God struck him mute for the whole pregnancy. And when he was finally able to speak again, these thoughts have been percolating for, for months on end. This is what he says. Starts out verse 67. Uh, His father, this is John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Spirit, and he prophesied. And then when you see this prophetic uh, hymn or announcement, uh, it's kind of in two parts, verses 68 to 75, talk about the final arrival of God's Messiah, the Christ. And then the second half of it, uh, it focuses on John and his special role as the herald of the Messiah. And then in the last verse, in the conclusion in 79, it says that, that the one who will come, Jesus, will guide our feet into the way of peace, the path of peace, the, the lifestyle or experience, day-to-day experience of peace is what comes with Jesus. So, first of all, because Jesus came, because of Christmas, because of the incarnation, because God with us, you can live in peace. <laughs> This can be your daily experience. So Zechariah, he, he praises God for two things right off the bat that kind of set the tone for the rest of, um, of the hymn. Verse 68, he says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has, one, visited, and two, he has redeemed his people. Well, 
God visited, that's, that's Christmas. God became man. He showed up on earth. He dwelt among us. Blessed be the Lord God uh, that there's Christmas. And blessed be the Lord God that there is redemption. We can have deliverance. We can be rescued because Christ has come. And in this whole next section, we see this description of the long-awaited Messiah, the answer to the hope of Israel. All these Old Testament prophecies are being fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. And I'd like to just read from verse 69 to 73. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us. So deliverance, rescuing, peace comes with, with Jesus' arrival, the long-awaited Messiah. But, but what kind of deliverance? <laughs> What kind of salvation would it be? If we skip forward just a few verses to 76 when we see about John's announcement, it says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge or experiential understanding of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. So the Messiah arrives, and he brings uh, deliverance. He bring, he's the rescuer. And what he does first is he rescues us from our sins. <laughs> That's our real problem. The people were wanting something different. <laughs> they wanted a, a political hero. They wanted somebody to throw off Rome and, and go and you know, kick out all the troublemakers, etc., But he came to do something much more profound, and that's to restore our insides, to rescue us in the deepest part of our souls. So we saw, if you've been with us through the Gospel of Mark, we saw this kind of misguided perception of what the Messiah would be like that caused all this confusion. Because they thought, when God shows up and throws off Roman oppression, and then he heals the land, then we'll have peace. That's kind of how we think. <laughs> if God would show up and uh, get rid of my enemies, um, he'd silence my annoying neighbor, he would, uh, he'd fix my car, he'd, he'd give me a better health report, he'd, he'd solve all these problems in, in my marriage or in my, my life, then I could have peace. Same kind of thinking. We think once there's peace outside, then I could have peace inside. That's how we tend to view things. But Jesus came to fix the inside, <laughs> to give knowledge of experiential understanding of salvation to his people through the forgiveness of sins, which is wonderful news because it means that we can experience true shalom in our souls where everything is right even if the world around us is a complete mess. You do not have to wait till all those things get fixed to be good inside, to be good with God. Well, I think there would be a big objection from all those who um, 
had uh, spent their lives dwelling on the, the First Testament, the Old Testament, as it revealed what Christ would do. And uh, the anointed one would conquer all the enemies. He'd re- restore the environment. He'd heal all sicknesses. Messiah would sit on the throne. Everybody gets along. Even the animals get along. Uh, is, isn't he supposed to do all this? And he comes, and you're saying he's just doing something invisible <laughs> in our hearts? Well, the New Testament mystery or the New Testament message is not God saying, oh, just kidding about all that. It's God saying, not yet. It's out of order. He came to restore our souls. And why is, does he do it in this order? I think primarily because we are not ready for paradise. We have to be transformed in our, our being first. We need our sins forgiven. We need to be right with God before we're ready for a place where everything's perfect. When I was a kid, I don't know if you've ever had a flying dream, but I had a recurring flying dream. Anybody else had a flying dream? Okay, some are honest. Someone shook their head emphatically, no. But uh, I had this dream more than once, and I'm in a, uh, in a big field that looks kind of like the Windows XP desktop. This big, like, just green, green hills are kind of rolling kind of a park or something. But in the middle of that park is a water slide, big, curly water slide. But I start, I'm, I, at the start of the dream, I'm down in the pool at the bottom of the water slide, and I somehow get on the slide, and I slide up the slide all through all the spirals, and I slide off the top, and then, then I'm flying. And not exactly like an eagle, but like a, like a pelican. You know how they come down and they just glide like that over, uh, over the green fields. So I'm describing this uh, dream while my family is at my grandparents' house, kind of like I described it to you. And my grandma says, I've had that same dream. Like, really? What are the chances of that? In all those details, she had the same dream. Uh, you're probably wondering... Where, Josh just went, went off here. No, there, there's a point. What if I told God, I, uh, I would really love to, uh, to fly. I would like to be uh, in the sky, not down here in, on the ground where, you know, it's, it's dirty and it's complicated and noisy. I want to be in the sky. And so he says, okay, and he picks me up. Is this high enough? No, 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 way up in the sky. He takes me up further. Okay, now, should I let you go? No, because I can't fly. If he puts me in the sky without transforming me first, then I'm just going to plummet to the ground. We want, to, we want paradise without being transformed to uh, be ready for paradise. Like if you're a rotten apple, you think, oh, well, dump me in with all those good apples and that'll fix me. It doesn't work that way. We need to be transformed before paradise. We want God to fix all these external problems, all the turmoil, so we can be at peace inside. But the truth is, he says, you can have peace right now. And that's really good news for us because uh, we look around and things are still messed up. But inside, we can be right. You can live in peace. God's given you, in fact, everything you need to be at peace. And he's given you everything you need in order to please him. 
And that's honestly all you need to do is to please him. Why does Jesus deliver? Why does he rescue? Why does he restore shalom to our souls? Well, if you look back at verse 74, it says that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. He rescues us so we can just live for him. And we don't have to be afraid no matter what else is going on. We can be at peace in our deepest place. So it's a choice. You can choose to live in this turmoil over the external circumstances, the competing demands that are tugging you in every direction, uh, a slave to your past regrets. You, You can do all that, or you could simply consider at this moment, what would God want me to do? What, what would please him in this instant? Ah, and he's given you everything you need to do that. And therein is peace. So Zechariah ends the hymn um, with this announcement from John about Jesus that says in verse 79, he will give light to those who sit in darkness and those in the shadow of death, which if you look around, sometimes that's what it feels like, to guide our feet into the way of what? Uh, of peace. The, the way, the path, the lifestyle, the daily, day-in, day-out experience of being at peace in our souls. Because Jesus came, you can live in peace. In the reading this morning, as we lit the Advent calendar, um, we saw little glimmers of peace throughout the story. You remember when the when the shepherds who are just kind of minding their own business in the fields and the angel army appears, the great announcement from heaven that lights up the sky and is booming with this uh, angel host says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. (laughs) The announcement of peace. And then we see a a peace again in, in Simeon's hymn, when infant Jesus is presented in the temple. So let's turn to there in chapter 2 now. The story picks up in in verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he picks up baby Jesus and holds him in his arms, and he says this. Well, verse 28 says, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God, and he said, verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in what? In peace, according to your word, just like you said. Why? Because my eyes have seen your salvation, that you prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for a revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. Not only does Jesus' arrival mean that you can live in peace, not, not to be morbid, but you can die in peace. No matter what your life was 
like? You know, what, what things happened? What, um, what experiences you encountered? Maybe you went your whole life and you were clinging on to Jesus, but, uh, but nobody else around you even cared. And are you still believing that? And maybe you had just terrible things happen in your life. On that final day, you can depart in peace. You can be good with God. And the, way, the reason that Simeon could be good with God and depart in peace was because he saw and embraced Jesus. I have, uh, I, I've seen people, um, not a ton, but a handful of people in their, their last days. Um, I've seen those who, uh, who have peace, and I've seen those who don't. Those who have met Jesus and embraced him can depart in peace, no matter what else is going on. Simeon says, hey, I've met Jesus. That's enough. I don't need to see anything else. I have, there's nothing else on my bucket list. I, I could go right now. It's never really told to us whether he was young or old, but however old he was, he's like, I'm ready. <laughs> I've seen Jesus. Because Jesus came, you could live in peace, and you can, on that last day, you can depart in peace. So far, this is a very, uh, a very personal message. You know, no matter what's happening around you, you can be right with God and be at peace. No matter what your life's been like, like you can depart in peace. The gift from God of peace is a personal message, but it is not a private message. <laughs> it's a message to announce. It's a message, message to broadcast far and to broadcast wide. Because Jesus came, you can announce peace. Just skimming over this whole chapters 1 and and two, we saw Zechariah's hymn where John's whole message was to announce that Jesus would bring peace. You child would be called the prophet of the Most High. And he had this announcement that Jesus brings forgiveness. He brings salvation. He brings peace. Then we saw the angels, they broadcast, you know, before there was broadcasting, they broadcast in the night sky the message of peace, peace on earth. When the shepherds heard that message, uh, chapter 2, verse 17 says, When they saw it, they made known the saying, this is when they saw Jesus, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They passed on everything they heard about the message of peace. When the shepherds left the manger, they couldn't stop talking about what they heard and saw. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And then in Simeon's hymn, the message of Jesus is to be announced to everybody. Verse 32, Jesus will be a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. To the Gentiles, to the nations, to all the ethnicities in the world. Jesus came for all of them and we're to announce peace to all of them through Jesus. People are walking around with broken relationships, uh, conflicted in their minds, constricted in their hearts, at unease, (laughs) not at ease, torn up inside. And we have a message of peace that we can announce 
I just want you to ponder for a moment who in your world needs that message. Maybe it's somebody in your house or somebody on your block or somebody at your, your job or, or wherever. Who needs to hear about the peace that comes through Jesus? We have this Christmas uh, concert a few days from now. That's just a real easy sell, so to speak. Here, come hear a concert. Have some free food. We'll talk about Jesus and how he brings peace. Maybe, maybe there's some other tool that uh, would work for you. Maybe it's just being a little bold and getting to that point in the conversation and announcing peace. You've been given this task. In fact, all those who are followers of Jesus have this task of being peacemakers, being reconcilers. There's relationships that are broken where there's discord, there's distance, and he asks us to be messengers of reconciliation, primarily reconcilers of man with God. Paul, of course, talks about this in 2 Corinthians uh, 5. He says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled, you know, he made, he made peace. He reconciled us to himself, and he gave us the, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. This is our job. We have been uh, commissioned as ambassadors to bring this message to the world, to announce peace that comes through Jesus. Um, Isaiah speaks of when the Messiah will arrive, and uh, and those who proclaim his, his arrival... And he used kind of a funny expression. He says, uh, their feet are beautiful. Isaiah 52, 7. He says, how, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes or announces, broadcasts peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Just what a lovely thought to think about people, you know, cruising out over those, over those hills all around town to, um, to, you know, Indonesia, to Bangladesh, to, uh, to Elk Grove and Modesto, to all over Cambria, all over your street, all around your neighborhood, and just announcing that Jesus has come, that you might be reconciled to God. That chasm, uh, that's the result of our sin, can be bridged because of Christmas, because of the arrival of Jesus. How, how beautiful to think about all those feet just going out all over the place and taking the message of, of Christ. You are probably familiar with the Christmas carol. I'm not expecting you to read that, but this is Go Tell It on the Mountain. Over the hills and where? Everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Because Jesus came, you can announce peace. In fact, you must. <laughs> it's what we're, we're compelled to do, what we've been commissioned to do. So here, here's our closing challenge. I want to invite the team to come back up. Um, it's simply, this Christmas, share the gift of peace this Christmas. Who, who needs to hear 
about uh, reconciliation with God through Jesus. That is the gift of Christmas. The gift when you receive Jesus is you have an opportunity to live day in, day out with, uh, with a deep peace in your heart, a peace that's beyond comprehension. Let it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let, let me pray. Then we'll close. Lord God, thank you so much for sending your Son. And Jesus, thank you so much for bringing peace as you came. And Holy Spirit, we're so thankful for, for uh, the experience of peace that's available because you live in us. Lord, may we live each day with, um, with a, a true sense uh, that all is good because we're good with you. Our hope is secure. Our sins are forgiven. You know, the world's falling apart around us, but, uh, but when we're good with you, then, then we're good. And Lord, um, compel us to take that message and announce peace wherever we go, uh, right nearby and, and far as well. And uh, Lord, we, we love you and thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.